This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I am Eric Branson, and with me as always, my co-host, Joe Peterson. How's it going, Joe? Hey everybody, welcome back. Hey, we have oh, a, uh, a another really great episode tonight, because unlike many of our episodes, we have no theme we're going on tonight. We're just randomly picking movies off the DVD shelf and watching them, and finding some really, um, should we say deep buried treasures in the junkyard (laughs) these past couple of weeks uh hopefully you tuned in last week and heard our discussion about the deadly spawn and hopefully if you haven't seen the deadly spawn you have since gone out and acquired your legally you know copy your legally purchased copy of the synapse films dvd of deadly spawn actually i do highly recommend that dvd but you know see it however you see it i'm I'm not gonna pretend i've never you know watched something that wasn't legally purchased before but you know i try to support things like synapse films that are giving us these great um movies again in in you know good Did, restored versions of these films you know if you don't if you don't go out buy a dvd every once in a while guys we're not going to get these things it's why we can't have nice things you know so anyway did, did um, when you when you opened your uh, copy of deadly spawn you know they had the synapse catalog in there too yes did yep. you uh did you flip through that mm-hmm. yeah, i always do uh, and i've bought some other synapse stuff and um, their catalog's fantastic it's got a uh, Everything from like cult and B eighties uh, movies to kind of a, a large collection of like vintage adult films and um, yeah, I wasn't expecting a to lot see of that. exploitation. You know, seventies, uh, sixties, and seventies stuff too. It uh, great selection. You probably can't go wrong with any of it. It depends. Uh, you know, not to offend anybody's sensibility. I don't think any of it's straight up pornography, but yeah, there are certainly adult ish titles in there um oh yeah so yeah yeah it, especially was, vintage uh, yeah, stuff were, which, I, which actually well it was weird because i was flipping through like oh i remember this looking about the, the horror sci-fi stuff oh i remember this movie i remember that movie and then i turned the page i'm like oh what is this wow i haven't seen <laughs> I any of those remember this movie i want to remember this movie no, um yeah no 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 yeah, yeah and a lot uh, of it it's focuses on vintage and like i know they have a whole series of like classic peep show reels from the probably as far back as the 40s and 50s and stuff and so actually, it's you know a lot of it's kind of cool. Um, you know, take it for what it's worth. Yeah. Might probably might not be your thing, but uh, I'm glad somebody out there is you know cataloging this stuff and has it available if anybody wants to take a look at it. Um, I think you get a good snapshot of you know humanity through those types of things, kind of. So I don't know. I find yeah, it really interesting. But for, their catalog's great. The company's great. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing cool stuff. Like yeah. Yeah. Um, so, well, I saw they've yeah, got some go, really cool watch stuff some that's going to be coming out soon. Some... They've got some really, really cool stuff that's going to be coming out soon, um, like the Kindred and, and a few other things, some like these really classic '70s and '80s horror films. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll, well, I'll Synapse and, and, from, and from Severin them. Films and um, Shout Factory and, and there's yep. just there's Scream Factory, yeah, 
Yeah, Scream Factory, yeah. which would, um, they're Shout and Scream. They're 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 part of the same company, I think. But yeah, yeah, um, same same subject. They are all of those or all three of those companies are just doing such phenomenal things. So please go out if you can. You know, if you can, if you have the extra dimes in your pocket, please go out and support those companies and buy that you know special you it'll be worth your extra money rather than just watching it streaming because you'll have you know hours of extra stuff you know dvd special features and such on it that are definitely worth the money so right anyway i'll get off my soapbox now and introduce you to the movie that we're actually going to be talking about <laughs> this week this one is <laughs> not one that was released by any of the above although i'm I, this is definitely the kind of thing that they would you know re-release in a special edition i think um so far it has not been done it, it in my opinion yeah. and we'll get to you know that a little later i would love to see this done in a special edition uh remastered version uh hopefully that comes to fruition someday yeah pretty much 98 percent of everyone else on the planet that has seen this film will disagree with me uh probably because i have a nostalgic place for it in my heart um is the reason i will you know even even give it the time of day but anyway without any further ado the film we're going to be talking about tonight is the written and directed by dan Aykroyd, um 1991 film nothing but trouble or as he likes to call it valkanvania which was the original title of the film and he was very upset that it was released under a different title so Give me the keys, Mike. Chevy Chase. Hey, you just passed the Garden State Parkway South. Don't worry, I'll get you there. Demi Moore. Oh, no, cop. Driver, step outside the car, please. John Candy. Read him. Yeah, that's nice, thanks. The lower back, please. I got an itch right up in there. It's good, thank you. Not today, sir. This may be Valkanvania, but it is still America. And wouldn't mind, would you just write a ticket here or... We could settle it some other way, perhaps. That's not the way things work around here. What is this place? Revolving District Court for the Village and Shire of Valkenvania is now in order. The Honorable Reeve Alvin Valkenizer presides. Dan Aykroyd. Put out that dog rocket! Nothing but trouble. I'm so sorry. Hey, you know, you and I ought to spend a little more time together. I'd like that. Would you? Welcome to The Last Resort. You look pretty this evening, sister. Doing something different with your hair? <laughs> Where something's always cooking. How about a nice Hawaiian punch? Uh, here's some good friends. Okay, let's eat. Where someone's always shaking. And anything's better than... House policy. What's house policy? Whatever man touches her, the one she keeps. What? All they wanted. Oh no! Wait a minute. I just went through a damn stoplight. Was a little getaway. I think the two of you'd make a perfect couple. You make this a bride? No, no, not in front of all these people, Your Honor. Mm -hmm. Now, all they got was nothing but trouble. Yeah, let me give you a quick synopsis from the back of the box here. Chevy Chase, Demi Moore, John Candy, and Dan Aykroyd are nothing but uproarious in this cockeyed comedy written and directed by Dan Aykroyd. Packing more ghoulish glee than Beetlejuice, welcome to Valkanvania, the twilight zone of speed traps. One wrong turn off the New Jersey turnpike and a stock market whiz, Chase, and investment lawyer, Moore, end up there. 
one minor driving violation and they're hauled off to by Vulcanvania's finest, Candy, to a part courtroom, part funhouse, and 106-year-old Justice of the Peace, Alvin Valkenheiser, from frying pan to fire, nothing but trouble with Ackroyd and Candy in two tasty rolls each, is a howl. So, wow. do That's... you remember this movie? Like, what is your... My God. I remember it coming out, and I remember it being weird enough that there was some attention behind it. Um, you know, like, it was, it's Dan, this was when Dan Aykroyd was, you know, doing a lot of really great stuff. Ghostbusters was still very, very popular and stuff. Um, John Candy, Chevy, Chevy, I mean, this has got your classic kind of late 80s, early 90s cast. Demi Moore, Chevy Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of an everyone's everyone in comedy, at least, um, of that era. But it's, it quickly fizzled out because I think this was a movie that was just too strange (laughs) <laughs> Which really, you know, if if you look at Dan Aykroyd's career, all of his movies really are quite strange. I mean, if you ever look at what Ghostbusters was originally supposed to be like, yeah, the you supposedly know, the Aykroyd Belushi. Which of course that's Ivan Reitman, a... but but yeah, but yeah. it was you know it was the kind of stuff Dan Aykroyd would have would have done anyway. Um, well, and I think I Ivan Reitman's probably the one there. that drug it back into the realm of like norm normalcy a little bit or enough to where general audiences were able to appreciate it or the the humor was able yeah. to kind of connect with everybody. Um, I think Bill Murray starring in the film helped a lot with that as well. But um, certainly yeah. from what I've read about Ghostbusters, its initial treatment was way out there compared to what we got as the actual film. So Right. And this, this movie, it, it borrows from quite a lot. I, I was reading that... Um, you know, critics have have compared it to things like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein and Psycho and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Rocky Horror Picture Show and The Monsters and well, I can see, I can see notes of all of those in this and it's such a weird mix though. Um, it certainly has more in my mind to do with, you know, Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, but it, it, it it's, it is that in the genre of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So it's definitely this kind of rural phobic big city people come out to you know the country and the um it it kind of is texas chainsaw massacre played for comedy in a lot of ways it's this you know crazy old family with their kind of set in their ways um and i think it 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 does it does have some things that are derivative of rocky horror as well there's you know the, the couple being dropped into kind of this creepy old mansion um they're being I think essentially the thing that reminds people of Rocky Horror the most is the dinner scene in the in the film because that's what it certainly reminds yeah. me of. Um, yeah, there are. I don't know. This is a like beyond batshit crazy movie. Like it is just <laughs> out there, and I, I'm not that, sure like I mean, what they were thinking. I think it was Dan Aykroyd's brother, I believe that that came up with the story for this, but Dan Aykroyd wrote the script and then eventually directed the movie. And at this time, I think Dan Aykroyd was had been successful enough in, in his acting and some of his other projects that he um, was able to secure funding just based on he was going to do it. And he was going to, through his connections, he was able to get Chevy Chase and John Candy and, yeah. you know, the rest of these people that, that made up the cast. Um, I, I have a feeling he didn't have a whole lot of interference. So when you have the money, you have the notoriety, you can, you know, go and make a train wreck of a movie like this and nobody's going to be hovering over your head saying, you know, what you can and can't do. Um, 
I call it a train wreck because it is seriously one of the most hated films of all time, supposedly. It's got a 5% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, even its user score, which are usually much more generous, is down in the 20s somewhere. Uh, not many people are big fans of Nothing But Trouble. However, myself... I, I don't get why. <laughs> um, I remember this movie, and I, probably the first time I ever heard of it, like a lot of things right around this era, is I remember the movie poster artwork hanging up in the local video store. That is, like, the first thing... Yep first time i saw this and of course i was you know being the age i was was definitely familiar with both john candy and chevy chase uh dan Aykroyd as well i'm not sure i would have recognized his face on the movie poster because he's behind you know a lot of a makeup, lot of uh, makeup. Yeah. <laughs> he plays a character who is 105 years old and can pull off of his face at uh, you know any point but um to me this movie is actually and i remember seeing this as a kid and i i only saw it like once or twice and i have a feeling it's probably one of those things like my parents weren't huge fans of me watching it because it was just kind of weird and um you know they they i I, certainly this was not something they would be fans of so therefore we probably didn't get to rent it a whole lot but we definitely saw it once and it left an impression on me and you know kind of my backstory my parents weren't were a little bit strict about what i could watch and couldn't watch when i was a kid um so what's funny about this to me is this is probably the first example of this type of like um you know redneck phobia type horror film that i've ever that i ever saw uh so when i you know go back or later in life when i eventually see texas chainsaw master when i eventually see uh, other movies like this they all remind me of this movie mm-hmm. which is crazy because sure. i'm watching texas chainsaw massacre and i'm like you know i'm getting flashes and imagery of being a kid watching nothing but trouble so um you know funny story or funny kind of thought that you know i'm uh i don't know if you're familiar with the book devil in the white city about um chicago yep. uh, the world's fair and all it's it's contrasting with hh uh, holmes, holmes yeah. murders but um he goes through you know a lot of um the author eric larson goes through a lot of um, description of what the you know so-called murder hotel that H.H. H. Holmes um, owned and operated for, um, I think a couple of years on the south side of Chicago is what it yeah. looked like and all the kind of traps that he had. So the whole time I'm reading this, which is it's it's kind of it's a fascinating book, but it's just horrendously terrifying as well. Um, yeah, but the whole is. time I'm reading this, the the traps and the trap doors and the slide. I mean, literally, this stuff existed in in. Holmes, you know, uh, house or hotel or whatever it was. Yeah, it was um, hotel, yeah. He, I'm picturing this house. Like this is what comes back to me the whole time I'm reading this is I'm picturing the house from Nothing But Trouble. So Vul- Vulcanvania had that uh, that effect on me as a child. So anyway, and I also for this... some reason as a kid found this movie to be funny. So everyone will tell you it's not funny at all. I think it's actually got some moments of being. It, and it's so intensely it's so weird. Strange, the funny. weird is yeah. funny. Yeah, like it's. Yeah, the the weirdness is definitely funny. You know, the house always reminded me of uh, in Mount Carroll, Illinois. There's a a tourist trap haunted house type thing called Raven's Grin. Oh yeah, yep. It, it always kind of reminded because Raven's Grin had some weird stuff kind of like that too, like weird little trapdoor things, and you know, nothing scary, but it was just bizarre, off the wall bizarre. That kind of the laugh you make when you're uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah that that's really apparent in in that little tourist trap but it's you know, a tourist trap it's actually kind of a pretty cool place from like a, a artsy kind of kitschy type thing 
but um this yeah this movie i can definitely see tones from chainsaw massacre and psycho and all these other in rocky horror and all that and i see what you mean by the comparisons yeah. with uh h.h H. holmes devil in the white city and all that um <laughs> But I mean, at the it's same not really time, a I can see how. I'm really just saying, like, that's what it had like, such an impression it, it on me that... seeing it as a child. <laughs> like... Yeah, I can see, I can see how it, it brought back. I can see how your brain made that connection. Um, yeah, I guess there's another really strong connection. How... Sorry, there's there's another really strong connection this movie yeah. makes for me. And tonally, the only thing that I've ever seen in my life, I think, that reminds me of this film because it's so unique and, like I said, it's just it's just an insane movie. Um, but I actually think tonally it kind of fits as a companion piece. If you're going to do a double feature night, it would fit very nicely with uh, the film The Burbs. Um, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Got, it, it, really it, it hits a few of the same the same notes. The Burbs is a better movie overall. Yeah. But um, this certainly hits a couple of the same notes, and it would be a fun double feature because they're, they're kind of contemporary films. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, do, I do like The Burbs more. Um, one thing I can, as far as... as weird as this is i can definitely see how it failed um this is a well, yeah example this certainly of, wasn't you know, for you, you know. say know know your audience right and in this case I don't, yeah i don't this felt like dan Eckerd made it because he wanted to and i either that or he he kind of missed the mark on what audiences would be willing to take because it's i think he was looking to make kind of an old-fashioned slapstick horror comedy movie and i hesitate to say that he failed at it because I mean, it might not be perfect but there's certainly a lot of um humor and there's certainly a lot of tension and like he, it, it works in that setting like it might not be it might not be high art but it's uh i don't know i certainly think it's functional like some of the some of the reviews i was reading of this movie people just think it was the worst thing ever made and i think that's being overly harsh on it it might not be perfect it might not every second of it might not be uproariously funny or whatever it's definitely more uncomfortable and weird but the dinner scene in this movie is is one of those scenes in a film that like will go down with me as like an all-time an all-time great of maybe it is even uncomfortable humor i don't know what it is but it, it works really well i think it's uh I think there are moments in well, this movie where you can see what maybe his vision was for it, and that's definitely one of them. Well, it's going to score some points for originality. Cause like, I think there's only one film, if you like, to just see the movie where the guy's got a dick for a nose. Oh, nothing but trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. And I'll give it major points alone just for having Digital Underground show up in it. Yeah, I was, that I was mean, the next thing I was gonna make was uh, oh my, I, that's my favorite scene. Just I mean the this hip hop performance, with, a young Tupac core in it as well. I was gonna say yeah, young Tupac. It's kind of like <laughs> this. It's one of those you know people used to play the Kevin Bacon game, and there were certain movies that you could always go to because they had such like a bizarre cast. So that mm. was like your that was that that was that one kind of now here's another '80s reference that one of those capsella pieces that you could just attach everything to right, and so that's. Um, that's this because if you ever wanted to link Tupac Shakur, he wasn't in a lot of films. It was like Poetic Justice and this, and maybe <laughs> yeah. a couple others. No, but I mean, for, certain, well, he was in movies? probably like eight to ten, but yeah, yeah mostly it's like few, small parts but, like this and like two yeah. or three starring roles. Yeah. But which he was quite good, by the way. But I, I, you know, there's only one movie you can say that has Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, Debbie Moore, John Candy, John and Candy. Tupac Shakur. <laughs> exactly, and this is it. So you everybody know. better run out and get the. Uh, 
No, know? but that's it's incredible. Like I, I wrote that down. Like literally, like the hip hop scene is incredible. That is my note. And then yeah. also, then underneath that, it is you would never see anything like this outside of the early '90s. Like this is, they just like put this <laughs> like bizarre hip hop performance in the middle of this like kind of crazy rural haunted house slash I don't know like. Like I said, this movie is batshit crazy. It really is, but I don't think that like totally makes it wrong. It just it just failed to find its audience, and I would be shocked. I have not talked to a lot of people about Nothing But Trouble, but I would be shocked if there aren't people out there that really appreciate this film. Like I I know I I would say I'm one of them, and I think a lot of it comes from nostalgia because I really liked it when I was a kid. But um, mm-hmm. I know everyone that you know starred in the movie hates it. Um, everybody that saw the movie and critics all hated it. Um, I just think it didn't find its right audience. Like maybe people weren't looking for a Texas Chainsaw Massacre comedy, you know, right at that time or whatever. But um, Dan Aykroyd yeah. definitely wrote something. I don't know. It, people usually tend to say when something like this happens, like, "Oh, it was so ahead of its time." I don't. I don't necessarily think so. Maybe it was beyond its time a little bit. Like maybe this sort of like slapstick type out. I don't want to compare this to Evan Costello meet Frankenstein because it doesn't really have a lot of direct comparisons except the fact that it's a horror yeah. comedy of sorts. But right, um, perhaps it was a little old-fashioned because it uses that kind of obnoxious slapstick comedy against a and setting. And it does it of... in a, it, it does it in an odd way too. Like there's some of that slapstick stuff that it feels out of place in you know like to a degree like to be honest the very last shot of the movie where he runs through the wall and you've got like the, the tear out silhouette like in a cartoon <laughs> you know yeah that that kind of stuff is a little like okay you it's... know that that felt okay i mean it was weird. In, like incredibly there wasn't a place stupid but <laughs> like the it was a looney tunes thing like you know and they run yeah, away and right? he leaves the print like yeah i it i don't know but it made me chuckle right so it totally wasn't yeah well, and, and there know. are it's some just... there are some really amusing scenes in it. You know, you've got, um, you know, uh, the the two the Brazilian brother and sister Fausto and Ronaldo. Yeah. You know, they're Fertilla they Tomas were... and Taylor Negron. You know that they're great comic relief and stuff throughout the whole movie. Um, yep. Um, John, John Candy Candy's plays two dual roles. Role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh gosh. His Dennis his... and Eldona. <laughs> Yeah, his performance as Aldana in the movie, which he plays, he plays a brother and a sister, um, and he's hilarious. Much better than Adam Sandler ever did. Yeah, and people (laughs) say that he was phoning it in in this movie or didn't care for it or whatever. I don't feel like I can tell that by watching the movie. I think he was great in it. Um, I think he actually was very funny and kind of channeling his inner, you know, divine or whatever and uh, doing doing yeah. Eldana's character uh even though she was mute and I believe they made that decision probably for a good reason but um yeah no he he was fantastic in it his other characters Dennis is kind of the straight man in the movie but uh yeah well no, then Dan Eckert has two roles too you know he plays the judge and then he also plays Bobo one of the two Bobo and Little Devil these weird <laughs> mute yeah. deformed baby things out in the that... junkyard it those characters, so like those two characters, Bobo and Little Devil, are probably the weirdest thing about that movie. Like, because it's not ever really explained. They're never talked about before they appear. Um, they appear, and the only explanation they're given is they're like giant babies, essentially, complete with fat suits and diapers and the whole deal. And yeah. 
the only explanation any of it's given is like, oh, you know, we're 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 kind of out of control, so they don't let us in the house. Like, <laughs> that's yeah, it. And they're filthy, and yeah, it's just <laughs> like it's really they live really in the junkyard, strange. and yeah, uh, it, it's it's incredibly weird. I'm not I'm not gonna say that this movie is not incredibly weird. I'm not gonna say this movie makes sense at any point. Um, but I do find it really enjoyable, and and like I said, I I'm willing to give the the grain of salt that I find it I find it mostly enjoyable because I I liked it so much when I was a kid. But, um, like your story with uh, the Deadly Spawn, I came across this recently just sitting on a shelf at a thrift store, and I went, "Holy shit! I haven't thought about that movie in years." I remember no. really liking that movie, but uh, haven't. Seen I remember you really liking it. I remember you really liking it in the early '90s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know what it was yeah. about it, but something about it connected with me, and and it's funny because I saw it so much, you know, prior to seeing anything else that it kind of drew its inspiration from. So, yeah, no kidding. The first time I ever saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I was seventeen years old, which was kind of late to see it, but um, I, I was sitting there watching that movie, getting hints of you know when they bring Grandpa down. I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> you know, that's what's going out of my head is you know, yeah. Vulcanheiser. But I mean the 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 the, <laughs> so. the the set designs from for you know Vulcanheiser Mansion and mm-hmm. the Auto Hinge and you know all of the the scrapyard like the salvage yard and stuff like that. It, the, the set designs are really incredible. I they mean, are. I think the movie just, looks great. Um, it really does. And the, even Dan Aykroyd's makeup is generally okay. Like. Uh, I, I think it was meant yeah. to be, you know, really over the top anyway, like everything else in this movie, so. Oh, sure, uh-huh. sure. And, I mean, I just, so that was one thing, like, every every time. And it's funny, because you, you brought this up to watch, and I had actually just watched this a few months ago. I had watched it, because it's on, I believe it's uh, Tubi, another one of those free streaming services. Oh, yeah. That's where yeah. I found it on for stream. And well, Yeah, there you go. You so, don't have yeah, to drop money you... on the DVD for the movie you're probably going to hate. Everyone just go watch it on Tubi. And then you can you right. know, write back to me and tell me, you fucking idiot, this movie is terrible. Um, you know, like I'm sure everyone's going to say, but uh, anyway. <laughs> like, no, honestly, honestly, uh, to be you know, we've been watching a lot of movies in preparation for episodes. So I, I would, I was happy to watch this again for the first time in 12 months, right? Not for the yep. second time in 12 months, excuse me. Um, I was more excited to do that again than I was to watch Exorcist the Beginning for the second time in 10 years. Oh yeah, me too. You know, I mean, but that's actually no. Exorcist the beginning years. is second time is going to be like that. Water. <laughs> yeah. Exorcist yeah. the beginning is going to be that low water mark for us for a while. I think like that's. I think <laughs> that it is. is. I think it I is. had to psych myself you know? up to like sit down and watch that, and then like after ten minutes, you know, fifteen minutes of the be- Exorcist the beginning had gone by, I'd like re-psych myself up to holy shit, we got to get through this thing, man. You know, you can do this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I I think yeah that was a challenge up there with like Bud the Chud. But yeah. this one, well, no, this one actually, was fun I, to watch I a find Bud the Chud really think about. much more enjoyable than Exorcist: The Beginning, by the way. But so, so there, there you go, well, Ronnie. I'll Harlan, give you that since I tagged you in our Twitter post today. So hopefully you're listening he, he, now. Uh, he liked it, by the way. Oh, did he? Oh wow! Yeah, I'm gonna be so. Uh, <laughs> Oops. I'm yeah, gonna be so um, flattered if Ronnie Harlan listens to us ripping him a new one and and. Hey, like I said last, you know, and then, and the then, last couple and weeks, trying I got, to save no, face I got nothing a little personal. Bit like, oh, but you know, I'm not like... Rennie Harlan. <laughs> yeah, but... but here's another but 20 sure, minutes of bashing uh... Rennie Harlan. No, no. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I will. You know yeah. what? 
I'll just uh, we'll have to do Nightmare Four someday, and I'll have to I'll say a lot of great things about how that film has been redeemed in my eyes recently. So I I still like I'll tag him again. I so. still like Cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, I'll just I'll just like by the way anyway. I still like Cliffhanger, so you know it's okay. Don't don't bash. Anyway, I got to make sure and tan, <laughs> tag Dan Aykroyd in this one because uh, I'm sure this is going to be about the only positive review that anyone's doing on Nothing But Trouble, especially. Uh, well, and you and know that's what? Not I, I hope true. not. I, I did because, see that. You know, uh, yeah. I I hope not. I really actually enjoy this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it's it's definitely taking risks and and uh, really at the end, that's that's what it's about. Yeah. No, I think so. And this it it takes a certain amount of bravery. I mean, and and, and he's at a point in his career when this happens. He's He's riding the crest of the wave of kind of, you know, the Ghostbusters era. It's Saturday Night Live and then Blues Brothers, Ghostbusters. A bunch of hits, you know. He keeps having hits. Mm-hmm. He's riding the wave yeah. of that. Um, and he finally gets... I mean, this is why you do those things, right? As an artist, you get creative freedom. You get... Um, Absolutely. You don't have to deal with the kind of crap that, you know... Rennie Harlan probably was dealing with. No, I'm just uh, throwing him a bone. Um, but... Well, you don't have yeah. to deal with that studio interference or that kind of stuff that uh, um, often directors and, and filmmakers do have to deal with, and that is they take the reins off and say, "Hey, if you know you got Chevy Chase, you got John Candy here, you got a budget, like do whatever you want with it." And maybe it's not quite that much of a free pass, but from seeing this movie, I feel like it had to be right. <laughs> like there was no way they were test audiencing this yeah. movie, and because they didn't know how to oh, market no. it when well, it came I... out, they didn't know what they had. Um, I'm not sure I could even, Yeah. even in hindsight, I don't know, like if I could tell you how to market this movie or I can't, like, I can't pitch this movie to our audience right now and say, Hey, it's like this kind of, all I can say is like, it's like the Texas chainsaw comedy almost like, except it doesn't have a single chainsaw yeah. in it and it's got giant no, babies just a, and it's got Mr. Bone Stripper. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's got a big, it's got a big right. machine that does it. One thing I did like that they added into this that i haven't seen in similar movies that have you know like the zany films with the the weird trap doors and all the little trick mechanisms and stuff they mention that that the judge here is uh is actually has a degree in in uh, mechanical engineering they threw that yeah. out there yep and um i thought that was was really kind of cool that didn't they, just throw it out there it, it you know, spun around and dinged and showed the you know a light popped up oh yeah shoot, yeah and everything yeah and, and it kind of explains <laughs> how he's got all this bizarre stuff in there because he's actually a really smart guy so that was i thought that was a nice right. touch you know there's a lot of movies i think it's funny because i was watching um i was watching batman the animated series with the kids the other day because i have to bring up dc in every episode and um ah, we hey, did you get a dc reference in the deadly spawn episode you did not i believe that is i a... did not Oh shit! Okay, so I got to double down on this one. But um, so yeah, the, yeah, you know, watching an episode of that with the that's Joker okay. I think I edited I our thinking... DC conversation. Sorry, no, go ahead. No, no, yeah, no. I think uh, you know, I got to think like you know, you got a character like the Joker always coming up with these bizarre mechanical things to attack Batman or wreak havoc on Gotham, and it's like, shouldn't that help narrow down who he is? There can't be that many mechanical engineers in Gotham, <laughs> right? Right. So I just got thinking about that because I was right after I watched this and I was like, oh, mechanical engineer. You know what? That explains how he can get all this stuff and do all this stuff and why is a salvage yard. It kind of, it kind of works, you know. 
So yeah. it's sometimes the little details like that that help sell an idea a little bit more, and maybe that was missed on somebody, or maybe it just didn't save it for them. But no, I, I like this movie. I'd recommend it to people. Um, like I said, it's a, it's a fun it, one. It, it don't don't expect anything that takes itself too those, seriously. This is another one of those movies. Like I would be hesitant to recommend to a lot of people, but like the right kind of people, like it's it's not quite a litmus test movie. I know we've talked about those before. Like if you know you throw that like out Buckaroo there, and Bonsai, if they, someone yeah. likes that movie, yeah, exactly. Like if you can talk a little bit about that movie, then you and I should you know we should hang out. Like um, it's not quite right to that level. Like I could, I could totally handle somebody saying this is an awful movie. I'd be like, okay, yeah, you're probably right, but I like it. Um, there are certain movies if someone's like, yeah, that's an awful movie. I'm like, okay, well, we don't need to talk anymore. So <laughs> it's like, uh, this is not right. one of those, but it's certainly a movie that. I mean, I gotta believe there's a cult following for this out there. If not, you know, I'm starting it. Like, <laughs> I'll start the fan page or yeah. whatever you need to do. Um, you know, we'll start start another podcast where all we do is talk about nothing but trouble every week. But no, I'm just kidding. Every but week. I don't think I could. In scene five, <laughs> there's a really yeah. cool thing on the wall. <laughs> well, yeah. hey, well, we no, could do, a, we could do one of those. One. You know they did that Buckaroo Banzai show where they, it's called Five Minutes of Banzai, but it's an hour-long podcast where they examine five minutes of the film and they did they did the whole film and it took them two years or something but wow um, so you could totally do that with nothing but trouble i think uh there's enough stuff in the background yeah tough job but yeah and and yeah it actually we didn't spend enough time probably talking about that the the just i think the design the costumes like this film was very well it looks it looks good um i think the um atmosphere is sufficiently creepy in this movie and it kind of makes the laughter uncomfortable and i think that i think that's the whole point i think that's the kind of funny that he was going for it doesn't always hit it's not like it's perfect or anything i'm not going to go out and say this is a movie everybody should go out and see fairly obviously i don't think it's for most people but um if you enjoy kind of a quirky horror comedy it's certainly been done worse by people with the last name of wayans that's for sure um absolutely but. yeah ad nauseum <laughs> so. ad nauseum but <laughs> or, you know, so if you were to give it a grade what do you think you'd give this if if you were to give this a grade what do you think um if i had to give it a grade i would go with a c plus it is certainly not a perfect movie um but i don't know i still to this day find it very enjoyable like i it it was kind of like I don't know, it was a lot of fun revisiting this because I do have such fond memories. And I probably saw it, I saw it many times as a child, so there weren't a whole lot of surprises for me except the fact that I haven't seen it in probably two decades at this point. So, um, mm-hmm. like we were talking about earlier before we started recording, the, that kind of stuff just kind of bowls me over sometimes. Like, because this is a movie that feels very familiar, and then I think about, like, okay, well, when was the last time... I sat down and watched nothing but trouble and I'm like, shit, it was probably 22 years ago at this point or something like that. You know, I was probably, you know, I, <laughs> and maybe not quite, yeah. quite that long, but man, it, then it just kind of bowls me over. Like, man, I have such a vivid memory of this movie. Uh, so yeah, it certainly left an impression on me as a child. I still think it's very watchable at points. It's very funny. It's, it's far from perfect, but, um, it's such a weird, and in a lot of ways, ambitious movie. Like, I kind of feel bad reading some of the reviews that it got. And the just kind of, like... Because it was Dan Aykroyd's directorial debut. 
and yeah, it was the way he just got kind of drugged through the mud. And it was like, yeah, okay. I mean, I, he he had some of it coming in the way that he shouldn't, you know, he should know that <laughs> the movie that he made that he was going to get some people that didn't get it. But um, yeah, it was yeah. probably. I think people are a little overly harsh on it, and I think it's just because these, collectively, the cast of this movie, are responsible for almost the entirety of 80s comedy gold, like the best of the best movies, and this is not one of them. I I still like it, but it's not one of them. You know, it's not the Blues Brothers. It's not... Right. Um, yeah. It's but I, I give it vacation. about the same grade. I'd it's also... The... I think I'd also give it a C plus. I mean, it's it's got its fun parts. I think you have to know what kind of movie you're going into to enjoy it, and I think maybe that's one of the reasons why audiences just didn't re- respond the way they were hoping for with this. I think you this is one of those movies that, you know, you do have to kind of warn somebody. I know we talked about this with uh, with Dan Eaton when we talked about Buckaroo Banzai. Is like you you kind of have to prep people a little bit for it. You know, yeah. if, if you yep. see a movie that's like, oh, did you see that movie that stars Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, and Demi Moore from 1991? They're automatically going to think of a very different kind of movie. Right. Um, they're not going to think of a batshit, crazy, off-the-wall... plays a female, yeah. and Dan Aykroyd pulls off his face. Yeah, yeah, I don't, and, and it's, you know, there's a machine that strips people down to skeletons and spits them out. I mean, it's there's you're not going to expect something like that but and and that being said if you haven't seen it there's no gore so don't worry about it it's it's very campy how it's done um yeah and really that's very it's very very old-fashioned in a lot of ways yeah like old-fashioned campy though like i mean that's stuff that i think like in an even in like a 1940s horror comedy film something like you know what's it called bella bella lugosi meets the brooklyn gorilla if you've ever seen that movie yeah um i saw the comparison of this on something so i'm not coming up with that off the top of my head but i have seen that movie and it, it has some of the same tropes i would say like the the comedy slapstick it's obnoxious it's uh it's difficult to it, kind of get a feel for what the filmmakers were going for and it's <laughs> you know but um i, I was thinking so, if, if this were movie were to be remade today who would i want to make it where it would it would still feel because this style of bizarre bat shit off the wall isn't the kind that comes out today right if a movie came out tomorrow no no this would never get the same way as major distribution it wouldn't work it it, well it might get to major distribution but it would be in a very different tone so like what we call bat shit zany off the wall today is very bat shit zany off the wall from 1991 i was going to say if this movie were to be remade today i could see tim and eric doing it it'd be a very different (laughs) film but they're kind of the ones right. who make those weird kind of films now. And, um, you know, I could see it. Actually, I'd kind of like to see that. I'd love to see them make this. <laughs> I'd like to see their version of this movie. Yeah. It's like, how weird are they? And they better we goddamn call it Vulcanvania and not nothing but trouble. So. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. wow. So. Anyway, yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot left to say about it, but um, I like this movie. Like, a C-plus is not like a... It's weird when we do grading stuff, because I'll, I'll give grades, and then, like, I'll give something a B. Like, I think last week I gave Deadly Spawn a B. Um, like a B-minus or something, yeah. F- yeah, but honestly, I enjoy these movies about... Not that, like, there's that big of a difference between a B and a C-plus, but this one is just a little more 
flawed. Like, it's got a few more, like, gripes in it than maybe something like... Deadly Spawn is just so B-movie charming. Like, everything about it just is wonderfully yeah. schlocky. This is, char- this, this, this is charming in a different way. I think yeah, because it's think a bigger so. budget film, had a massive release, you know, there was marketing for yeah. it, but it just, it missed the mark. And, you know, so yeah, I'm well, gonna, and I think that's they all didn't part of the film package. And, they, had a, yeah. they had all these comedy actors in it, and they didn't know how to... I don't know, not that they would have been successful even if it was successfully marketed just because it's such a bizarre movie. But, I don't mm-hmm. know, I like it a lot. Um, a lot of that's nostalgia, I admit it. Um, I don't care. You all have those movies too, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. The trouble is... Oh, yeah. Is, Guilty doesn't pleasures. Go on the, doesn't go on the top shelf favorites, but it's certainly something I have a whole lot of uh, love for. Um, so, yeah, I like it. Uh, if you haven't seen it and you just want to watch something that's kind of off the wall, uh, certainly an oddity from this era with a cast of, you know, people you're going to recognize. Um, yeah, I don't know. If yeah, I ever it's, see it's Chevy a... Chase at anything, I'm going to ask him about it. That's my goal. Or, or Dan Aykroyd, but Dan Aykroyd, I'd like to congratulate him on it because he got some drugs through the mud so badly on it. But um, Yeah. Chevy, Chevy Chase, Chase probably, probably hates it choice. doesn't. Well. Yeah. Chevy Chase seems to hate everything he does. He does yeah. hate everything. He just seems to hate everything. Like, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, which actually he's, he he's allowed as, to. He he's Chevy as, Chase. Yeah, he comes off as himself in this movie. That's one thing I noticed too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't think. I. He didn't feel like he was really into it, even when he was in it. And, and I it don't think he was into it. Dan Aykroyd um, was in it. You can tell John Candy was in it. You can tell Demi Moore was even in it. You know, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chevy Chase really kind of felt like, let's get this fucking thing over it so I can get my paycheck. Yeah. And it shows. He has a lot and of I think criticisms. maybe that's one of the things that attracts. He has a lot of criticisms you know. for things, considering he's an actor that plays one character in everything. So, and... I, it, yeah, d- don't get me wrong. Exactly. I love Chevy Chase, and I love a lot of movies he's in, uh, but he's not... He's not. He's a character actor, you know? He's I, not real versatile. He yeah, probably I shouldn't think be starring in a lot of things, you know? I don't think I like him as much as I used to. I think, and it's unfortunate, but I think it's because I've I've read enough and seen enough with interviews with him to see how he actually is, and have heard enough stories about how he is to deal with on the set that it, it for some, unfortunately it kind of detracts from me to enjoying his work uh, as much yeah. as I used to. There's still some movies he does that I mean he I, I love like Caddyshack is still one of my favorite comedies and he's in that. And I know oh, yeah. how 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 basic that is to say to to use the parlance of the kids these days, but um, right. You know, it, uh, it, hey, I'm a big sucker for the vacation movies, like pretty much those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, Christmas Vacation to this day is my favorite holiday film, and I'm not going to go back on that anytime soon. So, I mean, no, I'm not going to say anything bad about Chevy Chase. He's given me a lot of, a lot of, you know, good memories in my life. So, um, and again, I, I, I never want to use this podcast as a pulpit of like bashing somebody. Um, he doesn't. He oh, no. isn't always the kindest person to others, but whatever. Yeah, he's... Well, I, I read an interview with Bill Murray one time, who was told that he's accused of being the same thing on, on set. And somebody once asked him, you know, "Have you ever heard the old phrase that you catch more flies with honey than vinegar?" And his response was, "Who wants to catch flies?" <laughs> you know. So I got to respect that for what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very Bill Murray answer. Anyway, so yeah, yeah nothing but trouble so what's coming up on the schedule 
Well, let's see. We've got our Quentin Tarantino oh. films. And actually, we have we don't our... Know. We don't know when this episode's going to be on, actually, so I don't know what's coming up on the schedule. I just biffed on that one, so... Um, oh. Edit well, this part You know, one out. thing I've been... Um, yeah. So... Dramatic pause. Hopefully, there'll be a lot of really great stuff coming up on the schedule. <laughs> Yeah, we still gotta work that out. It's it. It's getting towards the end of the year though. So yeah, we we've we've got something going through November. We we would love some more uh, viewer recommendations. I mean, we've got plenty of movies. I'm sitting here looking at my DVD collection now, going, oh, we could review that. We could review that. But I'd like to know what, I got a couple uh, what some for of our sure. listeners would like to hear too. Yeah, Here's I've what got. I, I'm thinking actually, for. I, it, mm-hmm. I was thinking for the new year, I want to do some, and and I know there's probably only like eight to ten of you out there seriously listening all the time, but. Um, we appreciate it 100%. Um, and anyone wandering in, well, you're welcome to come and get involved in the conversation as well. We have a Facebook group. I'd love to have everybody join that. And what I want to do with the Facebook group is I think it'd be fun to do a couple of shows where we actually have polls, where we propose a couple of movies or, you know what, here's what we're going to do. March is coming up, right? They do that whole basketball thing in March. Let's do a March Madness thing. We'll get it all planned. We'll we'll get that uh, oh, put shit. together. Do like a 16-movie challenge, and we'll we'll pick... We'll go down to the final four and actually watch the final four, and we'll decide who's the winner at the end. How about that? Sounds like fun, huh? That does sound fun. Do they all have to be basketball movies? Absolutely not, because I can't come up with sixteen <laughs> basketball movies that I want to sit through. <laughs> I think you and I both that pause was just like, okay, so let's see: Hoosiers, Hoop Dreams, Basketball Diaries, Space Jam. Uh, um, I'm sure there's more. Oh, oh, Air Bud. Yeah, we gotta watch Air Bud. (laughs) What's I'm sure there's a movie where a chimp plays basketball too. Probably, if not, there should be. Yeah, yeah, but I like that idea. We should definitely do a March Madness thing. We'll start getting people to, you know, throw in some submissions. We'll start talking about it now, so that by March, just like the Phantasm show, it will eventually happen. You know, we're gonna. So. Right. Right. Yeah, let's do that. I like that. And also, I want to start throwing in some other things, too. You know, we, we have a tendency to review a lot of horror and sci-fi on this podcast because, I mean, really, that's a lot of what we grew up with. But I think Nothing But Trouble opens up the door because this is really something of a comedy, right? It, it's a horror oh, comedy, yeah, but it's really more of just a weird comedy. And there are some uh, real classic gems, too. I know I brought up Caddyshack before, and that's that's a favorite comedy of many people, I'm sure. But there's a... I just think about my day-to-day dialogue, and I think, like most people... You know, a significant portion of your regular speech to people is movie quotes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I can think of a few that, that I sometimes have to think back. There's a phrase that I say all the time. And, oh, yeah, I forgot that it's from a movie. Um, yeah, maybe we should start looking at some of those, too. Yeah, that'd be fun. Just do a catchphrases episode, kind of. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. So, anyway, we're but, yeah, just nothing but trouble, on, 1991. Air, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but nothing but trouble. Nineteen ninety-one. Warner Brothers Pictures. We all know Warner Brothers loves to take chances, and they definitely <laughs> did in this case. Sorry, I had to throw that dig in there too. That's my. I'm gonna. I'm gonna count that as my second DC reference. <laughs> okay, we're going for two every time now. Huh? That was making up for the well, making up for Deadly Spawn. Or making exactly, up for the yeah, one yeah. I edited out of the Phantasm episode. By the way, it was there, ladies and gentlemen. I it just was. Cut, it's on the cutting room floor, like so many wonderful things. Anyway, that's right. Uh, I'm Eric Goldbranson. This is Joe Peterson. This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. Everyone have a good night. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road.
We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast all one word want to thank you again for listening and keep digging who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard <laughs>